Thank you, Miss Sue Ann. And good morning again. And good morning to you folks that are logging into Facebook or will be logging on a little bit later on to YouTube. It's good to have you with us this morning. Let's see, who's going to be doing children's church? Lisa and her. Lisa's going to be doing All right, so kids 12 and under, go over for children's church. As they're heading over for that, if you want to go ahead and mark number 51, Lord, I'm coming home in your hymnals for the hymn of invitation this morning. And uh, certainly good to be here with you today on this first weekend of fall. Uh, <laughs> it's the last weekend of September, and, and I swear it just seems like yesterday we were celebrating Labor Day. Uh, but uh, it has certainly flown by, this month has, and and uh, we know that the holiday season's coming upon us, so be thinking about some things there for uh, the upcoming holidays. I may put out a survey next week on some to get some kind of idea of what uh, we would be or not be interested in doing, so I wanted to give you that little heads up for next week. But certainly it's good to be here with you, and it's always a privilege to share in God's Word with you, and, and uh, glad to see everybody here. Uh, we still see the same headlines, don't we? I was thinking about this throughout the course of the week. Same reports basically for the past year. Uh, the royals in England, of course we know that uh, the uh, death and burial of, of the queen, but we see, see that they're still feuding, if you keep up with that any. Russia and Ukraine are still at war. And we see the effects of that, uh, especially there what we're, what, we do see on the news about uh, apparently they have enacted a draft now uh, in Russia and there's a lot of protesting going on. But we, whether you realize it or not, we're experiencing uh, fallout from that and a little bad weather in the price of uh, if you go buy a bag of flour. Uh, if you've noticed the women shaking their heads there uh, has, has risen significantly uh, as well. Gas prices are down below three dollars I noticed this week and that's a good thing but everything else went up to make up for it didn't it so uh, a lot of things going on there politicians are still being politicians aren't they still blaming pointing fingers accusing investigating spending money but nothing seems to be much better and I don't bring these points up to depress you this morning but I want you to think about uh, some things that uh, because we are on the outside looking in at a lot of these. Do we ever think about, I, I do myself sometimes, think about the missed opportunities in all these situations. The missed opportunity for peace and, and to, to, to stabilize a region. The missed opportunity uh, for a family, talking about the royals, to get back together. Missed opportunities within our own country to make things better for, for all people uh, across the board. And the list could go on and on and on about missed opportunities. And we ourselves might even recall an a chance that we have had a recent event in the past where we could have acted or reacted differently if we only had time to think about it. And I'm pretty sure that all of us will have the opportunity to do something good that can make a difference in the coming months and days ahead. And this morning I want to encourage all of us when we come to those points, to don't let it pass you by. And that's the title of this morning's sermon, is Don't Let It Pass You By. We're going to look at some examples from the scriptures where people did not let that opportunity pass them by. 
And with these examples, I hope uh, they may come to mind when we find ourselves with a chance to do something uh, that may help someone, may lead someone, may answer a question to someone for someone that would eventually lead them to coming into a relationship with Christ. And that's what our, our goal would be. We may have the opportunity for guidance. We're going to see a chance. We're going to see a, an account for that. We're going to see an opportunity for correction. We're going to see an opportunity to give hope. We're going to see that we can do that with people we're familiar with and those that we may not normally go to as well, may not normally associate with. The scripture will show us that we can do just that. And, and I started off, and this, I don't have a slide for this, so I'm just going to read it to you. It's out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. It says, Withhold not good from doing uh, from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. So we're called, as the Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs, and, and then on over into the, the scripture. Paul writes about that too. He goes on and says, especially in the household of faith. But when we have the opportunity to be to do good, when we have it in our power to do good, we're called as Christians, as believers, as followers, to do just that, to do good. And sometimes we think about doing good as, as making a donation, and it is, it's good. And sometimes doing good is maybe helping someone that needs uh a little help in the yard or a little help getting around, getting to a doctor's appointment, and, and that's good. But that's not the good that I'm talking about this morning. And I'm not saying those other things and, and things like it are not good because they certainly are. But there are some things that are better. Anything that leads to salvation is better, and we should always look at it that way. So if you would, and we're going to stay in the book of Acts uh, all throughout this sermon this morning. If you would, turn with me over to the book of Acts where we will see each of these things being done throughout these conversions. And we're not going to look at all the conversions in Acts, but we're going to look at four of them. But each one gives us an example of how someone had to do something a little different with each case. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 31 is one that we're probably familiar with in that it is Philip and the eunuch. And we know about Philip and the eunuch, and, and we've probably taught that in Sunday school and, and learned that and known that for many years. But I want us to look at it in a little different light this morning as one who needed guidance. And how many of us ourselves can think about someone that we know that's a friend or a co-worker or maybe even a family member that needs guidance, needs a little correction to get them set on the right path and have an understanding of the scriptures? In verse 26, the Bible says, Then the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all of her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him and read, 
heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now, how many times have we ourselves maybe found ourselves in a similar situation? And I'm not talking about out in the middle of the desert with a chariot, okay? I'm talking about where we had the opportunity to help someone gain some understanding of the Scripture. Now, you, anybody that's a parent has probably done that with a child. So we've all had that opportunity. But when we start beginning to get into the older ages and we get a little more set in our ways, we become a little more reluctant to do that, don't we? We think that we're primed. We think that we, and maybe we're intimidated that, by that because maybe we think, or the devil's telling us, well, I really don't have enough scriptural knowledge to be able to do that. I really don't know enough. But to give you a little background, Philip was in Samaria. He was preaching and teaching there, and men and women were coming to salvation, the scriptures tells us. The Holy Spirit called him and, and sent him to another place. Didn't tell him why, who to look for, or anything. He just and told him where to go. And he was at the right place at the right time to help this man to become clear and have a clear understanding of who Jesus was. He, and he did just that. Just because Philip was, sitting, was willing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit the man came to salvation because it went on to say uh, afterwards and, and he clearly spoke about baptism because if you read on in the, uh, in the account, the eunuch says, here is water, what is to prevent me from being baptized? So we see that as a clear guidance about baptism. And I want to encourage that everyone here should be ready because listen at verse 29 again. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. How many of us, and I, I dare say, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I, I dare say that there's not a single person in this room that at some point in time, in a, in a line at a grocery store, at Walmart, walking down the street, someplace, somehow, somewhere, you've had a little feeling inside that said, I need to, to be over here. How did you react to that? I want you to think about that in light of what Philip's example here with the eunuch was. You had the, the spirit, that little voice, that small, still voice within you calling you to do something that you didn't come there to do, but yet, for some reason, I feel like I need to. And I'm going to encourage you this morning, when that happens again, and I'm not judging you either way. I don't know what happened. don't want to know what happened the last time it happened. But the next time it happens, let me encourage you to think about Philip and this eunuch. What if, what if Philip had not followed the leading of the Holy Spirit? Maybe the eunuch would have never come to the saving grace of Christ. We would maybe not have one, one less example in the book of Acts for conversion. And listen, it may not be anything like what you think is required. I know that, that scares us sometimes, but it may not be anything. You may not have to try to explain the scriptures to a person. It could be just an act of compassion. It could be an act of understanding. It could be an act of forgiveness. 
is your part in the planting and the seed and the harvest that the Lord will provide. But be ready for it. And that's what I want to encourage you to do is be ready for that uh, because if we're not, and if the vast majority of us are not ready for that, then that's my fault. And that's why I bring sermons like this to encourage you to be prepared for that about this time every year. And you know why. Because we're out more. We're engaged with people more. We're around family and friends more with the holidays coming up. We have the opportunity, as the scripture says, when we have the opportunity, when we have the power to do good, let's do it. Philip's an excellent example of that and what had happened when he does, when we do answer that call. Now, if you turn on over into Acts chapter 10, we'll see another one. And this is probably one that's, that's familiar with, with all of us as well. And again, I want to tell you, I'm not being critical of anyone. I'm just encouraging you. I'm trying to encourage you to be able to step out and go beyond what you feel like you're comfortable or even capable of doing. In chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, is the vision of Cornelius. It says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day and an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he had looked upon him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms have come up for a memorial before the Lord. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. So what we see here, this is a person that Peter would not normally go to. He's a, he's a Roman centurion of the Italian band. If you go back and read a little bit, you'll, you'll find that's a pretty popular group right there in Jerusalem at that time as well in the surrounding areas. But this man, Cornelius, it describes him as being a devout man, though, doesn't it? And he happens to be a Gentile. And if you will study on and read on throughout this, this uh, passage of Scripture here, you'll see that, that he sends a soldier and two of his servants to go to, to retrieve Peter to come back. And about the time that they get there to the house that he's staying in, Peter's up on the rooftop in prayer before uh, his noontime meal and falls into that trance. And that's where the Lord shows him by letting down that sheet that has all manner of, of beasts and crawling things. And tells him to, talk, to partake and eat. And, and he says, no, Lord, I've never, ever taken anything unclean. And it happens three times. So God's preparing Peter to open up the, the gospel to the Gentiles, who already we have a person here in Cornelius who has, is already listed as a devout man who prays and who gives alms. And how many of us ourselves know good people that probably pray and probably help those that are in need, but they're not Christians. How many of us know someone kind of like a Cornelius 
that we don't want to associate with maybe. Peter was not allowed to associate before this because being a Jew, he wasn't allowed to enter into someone's home of a foreign land. But if you go on to read the account, that's exactly what he does. And when Cornelius goes through and explains what he's been doing, he says, how in the world could I forbid? And they didn't. And his whole household was saved, baptized, it says. Him and, and he had invited friends, close friends in as well. And maybe sometimes we're, we're someplace that we have an opportunity, but we're holding back because, you know, I really don't normally wouldn't associate with that person for whatever reason. But what if that person was just like Cornelius who had been praying and had been giving some way that we're not obviously going to be aware of because we're not associated with them and we don't associate with them. But what if they've been praying and giving and pouring themselves out to the Lord and, and asking for someone to come. And that someone is you. And you refuse to act. Because you wouldn't normally go there. Well, that sheet has been let down for us too, folks. God, it says, and Peter says this to Cornelius, is no respecter of persons. And if we're Christians, we should be no respecter of persons either. And I'm talking about from the top tier to the bottom tier. They're all the same tier for God. And that's what we have to realize and understand. When we're called to, to do something, it may be with someone that we don't normally associate with, but that shouldn't stop us as well. Look, note over verse 35 with me. Peter's talking about, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And that's Peter talking about people. Every nation. So it doesn't matter what color of skin you have, what part of the world you come from. If you have someone that is devout, reaching out, trying to do well in these guidance, and who of us ourselves wasn't in that position at one time or another? I'll, I'll openly admit, before I became a Christian, I prayed every night before I'd go to sleep. Whenever someone was in need or if I seen an opportunity to help someone, I would give them money thinking it was the right thing to do to help someone along their way. I was a whole lot in the way like Cornelius. And then I became coming in through, through the Holy Spirit leading us to church and, and with Carol and I wanting to establish a church for before we got married so that we could uh, uh, have a church home and be associated with, we came here. And not long after we started coming to church here, uh, hearing the gospel, people reaching out to me, I became a Christian. What if one of those pieces of that puzzle had never come into place for me in my life? Would I be standing here before you today? So that's what we have to understand. We can somehow all be part of that puzzle, that plan. It's not a puzzle. It's not a mystery. It's not something that's unfinished. It's a work that's, that is in progress, but God knows the outcome, and he needs us to be able to be flexible enough, as Peter was with someone that he normally wouldn't associate with, but yet God showed him the importance of going. And now I'm going to look at one that makes us all kind of cringe when we think about the thought of it. 
Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28. Short little section of scripture, but it gives us a good opportunity to realize how that we can help others as well. Talking about Apollos. Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28. And certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded or explained, some of your translations will say, explained unto him the way of God more perfectly or accurately. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. This guy was doing all the right things, but he had something wrong, didn't he? He was a believer. He was pulling on the rope with us, in other words. But he had something that he was teaching wrong. And it wasn't because he was intentionally doing it. He didn't know about it. And what do we see here? We see a man and a wife who, by the way, their name is mentioned six times in the scriptures. Together, every time. Twice of those, they were beaten for church in their own house. So this Aquila and Priscilla was listening to Apollos preach and they said, Oh, he's, he's not, he's preaching the baptism of John instead of what Christ preached about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they pulled him aside and they corrected him. And he went on and, and continued to preach and was, was an asset to the, to the movement, the way, the spreading of the gospel. How many of us know someone, good person, accepted Christ, have a, has a misunderstanding about the scriptures or maybe just doesn't know about the scriptures. Aquila and Priscilla give us a perfect example of what we should do. They took him aside and explained to him more accurately what the scripture said about baptism. And there's lots of opportunities that we have on that subject in particular, but other subjects as well about how that, that we can help others. Now, another pattern I want you to look at with, with this couple is the fact that it sets an awfully good example for what a Christian marriage should be. They work together, husband and wife, worship together, agreed together on the scriptures and their goal was to make sure that whatever was being taught whatever was being preached was accurate with the scriptures that's an excellent example for marriage anybody any young people that's that's looking to marriage eventually uh, any young couples that we have or that we will watch uh, and i'm sure the older couples will encourage you as well. But make sure that you and your spouse or your future spouse agree on the gospel. 
Make sure that what you read in the Bible, that you believe the same, that you understand the same, so that you can be a partner together and not be divided on the, on the scriptures. Because if you're divided on the scriptures, then you're opening up a division in your home. And this is an excellent example for that, to be brought together. So we see that they correct Apollos, an eloquent man, it says, mighty in the scriptures. That would be pretty intimidating, wouldn't it? Somebody that was a good speaker, was, was a good uh, orator, and you're sitting there thinking, Rob, there is no way I'm going to correct somebody on the Bible. Well, listen. If you know what they are saying, what they are reading, if, they, if they're wrong in their understanding, why would you not correct them? That's not my place to correct them, Rob. Whose place is it? What if, if Aquila and Priscilla said, well, it's not our place to tell Apollos about the baptism that, of, that Christ and the apostles do? You see what I'm saying? It is our place. Now, you don't have to grab your Bible and, and smack them upside the head with it. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what God would have us to do. But maybe a statement, you know, I could see where you, where you could, could understand it that way, but let's look at this and, and see if that will help shed some light or change your opinion of how you look at it. You don't have to, you would want, and I would encourage you to, to treat somebody just like you would want to be treated if you were found in error in the scriptures. You wouldn't want somebody to be rude, somebody to call you out in public, somebody to embarrass you in front of your family and friends, would you? And that's not what they did. They pulled him aside. They said, listen, you're doing a great job, but, but we need to let you know something. The accuracy of, about your, the, the baptism. Yes, baptism is necessary, but John baptized for the forgiveness of spins. He, sins. He was a forerunner of Christ and once Christ came and was baptized even of John's baptism afterwards Jesus Christ called for us to baptize for the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they corrected him and moved forward. And we should never be so intimidated that we keep our mouths closed when we know that someone's wrong. Because accuracy is so very important. Isn't it? Have we not got enough denominations split on interpretation of the Bible? The Bible is not a mysterious document to read. It's written in plain language so that plain people like me, even me, can understand what this book says. But yet we have divisions over what it says. So I want to encourage you to be prepared for that. Don't let it pass you by when you have that opportunity. Because it'll haunt you. You'll say, I wish I would have said something. That little voice would be saying, you should have said something. I had that opportunity last night. In fact, I won't go into details. But I had that opportunity last night, and I said something. I could not, especially after coming in here yesterday morning and writing this sermon, I thought to myself, you hypocrite, you've got to open your mouth now. And that's what I did, though. And, and, I, and I'm glad I did. And that's what we have to do. We have to do that. Now we've got one more example here. Uh, over in Acts chapter 16, I want us to look at a, a, a chance for hope for a family, a whole family. And really a whole region is going to get some hope out of this act. 
Acts chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, Lydia. Not one that we really hear a whole lot about. Not one that we teach Sunday school lessons about. This woman, Lydia, who was a uh, seller of purple. Now what that is, is purple cloth. And, uh, well, let's read here first. Get a little ahead of myself. Acts 16, 13 through 15. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple from the city of Thyatria, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Now, let me give you a little background here, a little perspective. Miss Lydia, the Thyatria, uh, where she was from, it was over in Egypt, or not Egypt, I'm sorry, uh, up above Syria, kind of toward Turkey uh, in that area, if you're looking on a map. And it's in your biblical maps, uh, Paul's missionary journey, uh, it's, it's marked there too. Is second, she sold the, the cloth of purple, and the, the people from this region were known for dyeing cloth. That's what they did up in there. This is also a region that Paul had been forbidden to go to because it was a, a province of Asia. So apparently there was some danger there that the Lord didn't want him encountering. She's in Philippi. Now if you looked on your map, Thyatria is here and Philippi is over here. And I say that to say this. God had prevented him from going to this region but he brought a woman a businesswoman, and her family to where Paul's going to be in Philippi and he happened to be at the place that she was on the Sabbath day just by some wild kind of circumstance wrong it wasn't a wild kind of circumstance it was a plan of God the plan of God that Paul was there and the woman was there and she accepted and was baptized and her household along with it the scriptures tells us so what do you think she's going to do when she goes back home to a place that Paul's not allowed to go that the spirit told him not to go there I suspect she's going to go and tell the other business associates and family and friends about Jesus and about this thing that happened to her when she was on her business trip in Philippi Hope for the whole family was given because someone was really willing to spread the gospel to someone. And that's the lens that God will go to to give hope to a family. And most likely, like I said, the area that she returned to. Only God himself knows the how and the whys that they both ended there, up there on that particular Sabbath day, except he had a something for his servant to do and accomplished it. So I encourage you to do this and think about this in the days and weeks and months coming ahead. Never underestimate or question where you are.
or why you are or what you are doing because and even the things that you experience because it just may be that God has placed you where you are to reach a Lydia your example may be an example your compassion just of kindness to someone may help a Lydia come to the knowledge saving grace of Jesus Christ and salvation through his shed blood but let me say this also because we never know why we are or where we are or what we are or the things that we experience let me caution you about this grumbling complaining talking about other Christians putting other Christians in a bad light can have just the opposite effect it could push a Lydia away from salvation well if that's how they talk about their friends why well, I sure don't want no part of that so we have to be aware in both ways that we could be someplace for a reason even though it might not be our ideal place God may have us there to use us for a reason and let's not be complaining and grumbling about it let's be happy as Paul said in the circumstances that he found himself in and move on and look for those opportunities to serve to give guidance to even give correction to someone even if it's someone that you may not normally associate with because you never know when you're not only going to affect one person you'll affect the whole family or maybe even a whole region a whole community so to speak and that's what I see in these acts these conversions in acts and there's more we've covered four there's five altogether but you can go through and you can look there's going to be similar circumstances surrounding all of them someone was there someone was willing and someone acted on the opportunity. And listen, God may be trying to reach you. Maybe you need correction in some area of your life. I'm not being judgmental, but I'm just saying there may be a reason that you're going through what you're going through because there's such a thing as chastisement, you know. He may be trying to correct something that he wants removed from your life and never allow that to cause a hardness in your heart allow it to change as well now there's an opportunity coming up here so what I want to say is this when you have that opportunity coming forward moving forward don't let them pass you by and if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior you're, you're going to have the opportunity to do that here in just a minute don't let it pass you by you may not have another opportunity if you've heard the gospel and you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, he came to, to give us an example of how to live and then also died a substitutionary death for our sins on the cross. And you're willing to confess him as Savior and repent of your sins and be buried with him in baptism for the remission of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you're willing to be raised at new creation in Christ, walking faithfully, serving, being ready to serve, then today's the day of salvation for you. And I encourage you to come. Now maybe you're a Christian here already and you realize, you know what, I have missed opportunities in the past. And if you have, I know for a fact those are playing through your mind right now. We don't forget those easily. And there's not a thing you can do about it 
except this. Moving forward, say, I'm not going to repeat that again because I'm not going to live with this in the back of my head for the rest of my life. So rededicate yourself to service. Rededicate yourself to being available, to being used however God has called you to be used. In either case, we're going to sing number 51, the hymn of invitation, Lord, I'm coming home, the first and the third verse. If you have a decision to make, I want to encourage you to come as we stand and sing, and don't let it pass you by.